It's uh, almost precisely uh, 6.30 p.m., and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And if I'm on the right microphone, this is Jim Dwyer. Yeah, that worked out because I just assumed you were going to be on two, but <laughs> oh well. Um, obviously, the convention will dominate the news this week. Who needs them? They seem a little obsolete. That's for sure. They're kind of a pep rally for uh, the respective parties. Uh, more entertainment and obfuscation than uh, than anything anymore. But I don't know. I mean, I kind of think Obama should be magnanimous and just allow a roll, roll call vote. He's going to win anyway. I don't, yeah. I don't really think it's it's material whether it's unanimous or not. I mean, I think that would would be the gesture to make under the circumstances. And obviously, if we're to believe uh, polls, and I think there are flaws in some of these polls, which we'll get to in a second, uh, it's important to remember that cell phones have never been polled properly uh, with hmm. modern polling data. So this is landline opinion. And uh, one would think, given the demographics, that uh, Obama would have much higher numbers amongst the under 30 crowd, which is predominantly a cell phone crowd these Indeed. days, if not almost exclusively. So uh, one wonders about the accuracy of uh, some of the polling data, but I think without any question it's going to be a close race. And that's because of the uh, nature of the Electoral College and the fact that there are, as usual, not too many states actually in play. Uh, Michigan is still being called a toss-up state, but I would say that Obama has sort of maintained a three to six point lead, and that's actually roughly what Kerry won the state by. So, hmm. barring some miraculous uh, change of events here in Michigan, I, I still think Michigan will lean uh, towards Obama. Well, typically, as uh, if Detroit comes out in good numbers, the Democratic uh, candidate prevails. But one of uh, one of the interesting problems that Obama has in, in Michigan uh, is not of his own making, and that's the continuing psychodrama of uh, Kwame Kilpatrick, which we won't get into. No need. No need. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just uh, say that... Uh, he probably does know how many ho homes he's got. So uh, I guess we can do a famous uh, negative land thing. Do you know how many time zones they have in the Soviet Union? Right. Well, it is worth mentioning Eleven. Real, real quickly. Eleven. Eleven. Do you know how many houses John McCain has? Seven. Uh, wait, it might be 11 because it's somewhere in between. It's a remarkable story. Um and I think is a major gaffe that, that, that will... It's a gaffe that you can read, actually, two ways, if you think about it. Yeah. On the one hand, either the man is clueless and just doesn't think about such things. After all, most of these houses are in his wife's name. Right. And he's a busy guy. So he might not actually have a grasp on how much physical property he and his wife together legally own. So that's one potential you know, interpretation. The other is that he did know... But thought, oh, that's a question that'll look bad if I answer it honestly. So I might want to hedge here, right? Because if if I say, oh yes, we own 
8 to 11 houses. <laughs> we'll just stick with that number. Uh, then that makes me look like some sort of rich guy elitist. So maybe it's better if I just sort of hedge and say, well, I'm not really sure. Which, of course, looks terrible. <laughs> so, well, it, it looks terrible and, and given the context of the fact. Either he's a fool or uh, a liar. Yeah, that it shows you know, all sorts of incompetence. And, of course, housing is a very poignant issue at this particular time in the American economy. And um, certainly it is a uh, buyer's market here in Michigan. And then when you find out that just for the hired help, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out because this is a staggering number for the hired help to maintain these houses. We're talking lawn care and housekeeping. Mm -hmm. $250,000 a year, <laughs> which exceeds the value of most Americans' homes, period. Right. So this is, the, I mean, this is a... Uh, a staggering revelation. One wouldn't have thought McCain was uh, quite that well healed, but uh, in the midst of um, all of the controversies about his um, precise number of homes, I did roughly calculate that in terms of time zones, he's got houses in at least three. <laughs> so maybe three will be the new negative land. Yeah, but that, I mean that's the sort of gaffe that's just gold. It's gold, and, and uh, you, you, the Obama team can't come up with advertising as good as that. Not at all, and of course it's a punchline that will just be probably beaten to death. Unfortunately, we even saw Biden use it over the weekend. Um, I'm a little concerned about Biden's performance. Uh, should there be any uh, debate between the vice presidential candidates, Biden himself has a tendency to say things that are a little eyebrow raising well the problem with biden is that he's he, he's a guy who's sort of he's frank and he's blunt and he's i mean he's a kind of not he's not a professional politician even though he's a professional operator in other words he mm -hmm. knows the senate process he's you know he's been he's for all all you know given Reports about the history of him chairing committees and whatnot. He's he's been above board in terms of fairness. In fact, if anything, he was too fair during the Clarence ha uh, Thomas hearings. But I, I just for for a sort of perspective on Biden, uh, without you know, I mean, I think that the mainstream media did a pretty good job of covering Biden. But I went back to examine uh, just one random year of the Senate uh, in terms of voting uh, to give you an idea of where he actually stands. A comparison between Biden and McCain, and then I'll throw in a few other senators to give you an idea of who Joe Biden really is. Um, this is basically something that I pulled out of the World Almanac from 1996, covering the 104th Congress. And uh, it shows that Biden had, an, uh, based on 20 votes uh, by the Americans for Democratic Action, an 80% rating. John McCain had a 10% rating. On the American Conservative Union, based on 25 votes, Biden had a 0% rating and McCain had a 96% rating. And then they had another index called the National Security Index. A little unclear precisely what these votes were precisely on, but uh, Biden had a 10% rating and McCain had a 100% rating. And I suspect that one of those ratings was probably aid to Israel. Uh, to give you some perspective on the AADA, Americans for Democratic Action, 
um, the, the, the four senators in that particular term that had 100% ratings on liberal and pretty much zero with the American Conservative Union, as Biden did, were Daniel Patrick Moynihan, Tom Harkin, Russell Feingold, and Paul Wellstone. So this gives you an idea that he's not quite as far liberal as them. And just for also additional perspective, John Kerry had a 95% rating, and Ted Kennedy had a 90% rating. And this is on Americans for Democratic Action based on 20 votes. So it showed that Kerry um, and Kennedy are more liberal than Biden, um, but neither Kerry nor Kennedy are quite as liberal as those four senators that I mentioned in that particular piece. And it was surprising to me to see Daniel Patrick Moynihan, by the way, with a 100%. Yeah, he stands out a little bit on that list. I think that that might have been a welfare vote, uh, for Mm. the record, because he was uh, exceedingly cautious on the welfare uh, debate. But, uh, you know, Joe Biden, you know, it turns out he's one of the poorest members of the Senate. He's not used the Senate to enrich himself. He is this kind of stereotypical, ordinary guy, working class roots, Catholic, Irish Catholic, working class background and all that stuff. So I think that he does have some authenticity. And I think that the media, by the way, has made way too much of his gaffes. And as for why he'd gotten nowhere in his presidential run, it's important to remember that about a year ago, when the first reports of campaign finance were revealed, uh, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama had each raised $35 million. In third place was John Edwards. (laughs) We need not talk about John Edwards (laughs) uh, for a while. Though I think that scandal is a little overblown, but we'll we'll see if there are more uh, trees in the forest falling on the carpet. Um, he only had raised nine million, and the other candidates were way way behind. Mm. The media follows the money, big for sure. That creates the story, and a guy like Joe Biden, who did not perform poorly in the debates, and in my opinion, in fact, I thought in some of the debates he was often the best guy in terms of presenting his, his perspective, and I watched a good number of them. So I actually think he's a very good debater. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see if McCain will be able to pick a running mate uh, that can hold his own to, to Joe Biden. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I think that the only weakness with Biden, from my perspective, um, without going into the question of Israel, because he's, a, he's always been a little hawkish on the Israeli-Palestinian question, is that I don't think it gives Obama that regional thing that he needs. Mm. Because, unfortunately, the toss-up states are in the southwest. They're battleground states in the Midwest, and the usual Ohio and Missouri are sort of the barometers of of who will win. And, unfortunately— The New um, England liberal. You know, the South is not going to vote for Obama, and— uh, the Northeast is not going to vote for McCain. So, ironically, it's the, it's this sort of Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, four corners, so to speak. Uh, that may be the whole ball game. Huh. We'll see. Still, just entire speculation on uh, whom McCain might select, but uh, perhaps that will be the single element of drama to be found. 
Well, maybe the Mitt Romney have their and him can compete on the number of houses. Uh, <laughs> it's been rumored to be on the short list, which I find very surprising. But I think that uh, Frank Rich's column in yesterday's New York Times is particularly good about one thing, explaining why Obama has slept. First of all, I don't think there's any question that McCain has exploited this offshore oil drilling baloney. Um, as if it's going to solve gas prices in America. Well, as usual, it's a little disappointing how many people are swayed by such simplistic yeah. falsehoods, really. And um, it, the other thing that I, you know, I think that um, uh, Rich's column has a lot of good points in it, but I think that one of the interesting ones that he uh, he notes, and I'll just quote this paragraph because I think it explains why uh, McCain has gone up a little bit. Rich writes, what Obama also should have learned by now is that the press is not his friend. Of course, he gets more ink and airtime than McCain. He's sexier news. But as George Mason University's Media for Public Affairs documented in its study of six weeks of TV reports this summer, Obama's coverage was 28% positive, 78% or 72% negative. For McCain, the split was 43% positive, 57% negative. Even McCain's most blatant confusion, memory lapses and outright lies, still barely uh, cause a ripple. Whether he's railing against a piece of pork he, in fact, voted for, as he did at the Saddleback Church pseudo-debate last week, or falsifying crucial details of his marital history and his memoirs as the L.A. Time, LA Times uncovered in court records last month. He then goes into the, what he thinks is Obama's uh, main problem, uh, quoting a uh, colleague at the New York Times, Obama's real problem is not a lack of detail, because uh, he's been criticized for that, but his inability to sell policy with a, quote, effective story, unquote. And I think that that's what's troubling, is that politics, unfortunately, comes down to the effectiveness of the story. And Ronald Reagan, of course, was a master of... Of the pitch. Of the story. Yeah, which is the pitch. And, wh and where, whereby the facts are mm -hmm. muddled, confused, and in many cases outright false. And I think that John Kerry, for instance... Was was saddled, and by the way, that saddleback uh, business refers to this uh, meeting that Obama and McCain had jointly a couple of weeks ago at uh, uh, Rick Warren, uh, Rick Warren's church. Oh right, yeah, um, which I ignored. <laughs> I, I I think that it's uh, terrible when that becomes a big event. And by the way, for the record, uh, Rich notes that. About 5.5 million viewers tuned into the Reverend Rick Warren show in Orange County. Roughly three quarters of them were over 50. In other words, the McCain base. By contrast, a diverse audience of 32 million Americans watched uh, the Olympics that night. Michael Phelps was on. Mm -hmm. That helped. Um, and, you know, I think that the reviews of that were that McCain was very effective, and Obama was stumbling around and was less than 
you know, persuasive as a lot of the sort of mainstream reviews I heard of that performance. I didn't see it and don't care about it because I think that it's very troubling when um, these sort of confusing um, stories, shall we, shall we say, about faith mm-hmm. uh, become relevant uh, as far as policy goes. Yeah, I mean, those are entirely personal matters and really have very little to do with, you know, Reagan talked a lot about family and faith and never went to church. You know, he made the uh, offhand, you know, he's trying to be funny, but they were really sinister comments about if we could measure the prayer power in this room, we'd be talking megatonnage. That's not a spiritual man. And yet he was able to sell that story uh, so successfully the people facts after our after all, are silly things. Well, and he also apparently had a number of, quote, infidelities back in his Hollywood days while he was still married, and that wasn't an issue. And right. Yeah, his murky background in the uh, as president of the Screen Actors Guild was completely uninvestigated by the media at the time, but uh, shows that he pretty much worked for the FBI and was sort of a, a narc, as we say on the mm-hmm. streets, uh, for J. Edgar Hoover and these... Uh, just uh, hateful, insidious people that were running the the HUAC committee. Um, Carl Munt and well, Nixon eventually Martin Dees got Martin dies and yeah, Nixon eventually got in on the act on all that business. And uh, Reagan uh, was not this uh, sunny personality that he was so good at portraying. No, and ironically, of course, he picked up on uh, where Goldwater left off and. But he did know how to tell a story. He did know how to tell a story. And actually, the, the passage you were reading there uh, reminded me of something I read recently uh, this this last weekend about Adlai Stevenson, who, of course, ran twice mm-hmm. and uh, failed both times. Of course, uh, he was running against Ike. He was running against Eisenhower. Very difficult. And, right. <laughs> um, but the comment from the journalist interviewing Adlai Stevenson was, uh, it must be reassuring to you to know that you know, the great percentage of intellectuals and academics are in support of you and your program. And Stevenson's response was, well, that's great, but uh, I need a majority to win. <laughs> and that says a lot about elections in this country, about the interest level in policy, the nitty gritty of the actual language that'll, you know, determine how laws are established and direct policy. Um, and people just aren't interested they need the story. They need the story, and of course, that's one of the tragedies of American politics, I think, is there are too many stories, uh, right. too many uninvestigated stories. And of course, one of Kerry's fundamental problems in the uh, 2004, without going into all the details, I think he was hamstrung by the, the sort of the rules of how the conventions were timed that year. The mm-hmm. Democrats actually uh, had their convention in mid-July. Uh, by the way, don't be surprised if later in the week the Republicans uh, come out with a lot of scary terrorism stories. Uh, they did this last election cycle in 2004, and Tom Ridge, um, who bears a striking resemblance to that character in Toy Story, <laughs> rumored to be on the short list, um, led the charge on a lot of trumped-up terrorism scares that were part of stepping on the Democrats that week when Edwards and Kerry were giving their speech. But anyway, back to Kerry's failure. 
it gets back to his problem with Vietnam, and it's just bizarre to me that Vietnam continues to be yeah. a dominant issue in this campaign. The theory being that McCain is qualified to be commander-in-chief because he was a POW for five years. Uh, it sounds also like the details of McCain's pilot career is that he wasn't a very good pilot. Indeed. Seems like he lost quite a number of expensive planes in various bays and had to be fished out. Um, Not sure if that's the kind of experience America needs. Yeah. We've had a bad pilot for eight years. Yeah. A, a very bad pilot, one that <laughs> never showed up to duty um, and uh, was too busy at various times to bother showing up to duty. But Kerry's problem was this conflict that he had. He, he had volunteered for Vietnam. He was a hero. And then he turned against the war. And the, the dominant ev images of Kerry became not his heroic volunteerism, so to speak, his idealistic uh, joining the forces, so to speak, in the mid-60s, but it was throwing the medals. It was Jane Fonda. It was, and then, of course, the swift boat, uh, the swift boating was just complete bogus lies. But when people have $30 million and are funded... Those are stories with budgets. Stories with budgets, and this, of course, is one of the problems. You can lie about anything on television, um, and and the media is is not supposed to present the lie. They're supposed to, shall, shall we say, be an arbiter of the truth uh, to some extent, and they fail to do this over and over, which, of course, is why Vietnam was such a catastrophe. And when you read that John McCain uh, on Vietnam... And by the way, this is not a man who, um, you know, he tries to present and the media tries to present him as, as this sort of maverick. He's not a maverick, as that uh, voting record that I indicated mm -hmm. is all about. I mean, this is a guy that, that uh, uses Eagle Burger, Kirkpatrick, and Kissinger. This is a, this is a pretty interesting st uh, story from uh, the... January 3rd, 2000 edition of The Nation by Dr Robert Dreyfus about McCain in Vietnam and about this victory concept that he's got and uh, why one of her, one of the McCain supporters is quoted as saying, George Bush is still a boy, maybe a good boy, but still a boy. <laughs> and uh, he's turned out to be a very bad boy, um, not the kind of bad boy that Larry Craig... <laughs> No. Apparently, <laughs> apparently likes, but um, it, this this article is just revealing because in it uh, McCain has a completely delusional concept of the Vietnam War. Um, he he uh, attributes the the problems in Vietnam on a failure to win. Dreyfus writes that McCain considers the war in Vietnam to have been a noble cause whose loss might have been avoided but for the timidity of America's political leaders. Like many Vietnam military men, McCain believes that the war could have been won had Americans sent ground forces into North Vietnam and launched a strategic bombing campaign using B-52s. It's bizarre because we did. <laughs> we bombed Vietnam more than we bombed um, the Axis powers in World War II, as it turns out. And then it goes into this gung-ho nonsense about victory. Um, and we've heard this reported 
repeatedly about his concept in Iraq. We're not leaving until we attain victory. What victory? Right. <laughs> Nowhere to be found. Um, and then, needless to say, McCain has a lot of racist uh, commentary um, about Vietnamese people and Asians in general. And uh, it's a very revealing portrait of, Viet- of, of, of uh, John McCain, and he hasn't changed from this. You know, as as um, Dreyfus writes, he supports school vouchers, privatization of Social Security, a constitutional amendment balancing the budget, a flat tax, the death penalty, a lock em up approach to crime. He opposes gun control, abortion, and increasing the minimum wage. He opposes government regulation as a matter of principle. He voted to impeach Clinton, and he supported every item in Newt Gingrich's contract with America. He's voted for the amendment to outlaw flag burning. He backs tort reform and free trade, including NAFTA and normalizing trade relations with China. He voted against protecting homosexuals from job discrimination. And though he's changed his mind, he voted against making Martin Luther King a national, Martin Luther King's birthday a national holiday. Wherefore art thou, Maverick? So this, yeah. (laughs) What Maverick? This is one of the big myths of and, and stories, by the way, of the 2008 campaign thus far. By the way, according to uh, the recent Harper's Index, the rank of John McCain among the most frequent guests on the Sunday morning network TV shows since 1997, number one. Yeah. He's always getting the talking head time on those uh, programs. Well, and he's always jokingly even said that his base is the media. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to my base, the media. And I think that this uh, uh, recent study from George Mason University shows that he's getting, by a solid 15 points, a a much more positive uh, perspective on the campaign, uh, so to speak. To go back to Kerry's problems with Vietnam in the last presidential election, it's like the tragedy of Vietnam— can ever end no because we can never have a rational discussion uh in a sort of a national setting you know uh this should be a serious matter for a debate amongst the uh, presidential candidates but carries in a position where he has to be too squeamish to explicitly detail the things that were wrong about the vietnam war although clearly he felt them and knows them to be true Right. Well, he spoke out and he was an activist against the war. And his problem was he didn't defend that part of his biography. He was too busy trying to, shall we say, doll up the the other part of it. Right. And Clinton got hammered on the same issue, not for... Of course, he was in England studying and uh, never had to go to uh, Vietnam, but had the opportunity to defend the activist against the war position. And because of the political climate, it's just too dangerous. It's too sensitive. Too Um, dangerous and too sensitive. And the thing that was so foolish, um, you know, in retrospect, is that Kerry should have gone on the counterattack. It shouldn't have been his Vietnam record. It should have been Dick Cheney and George Bush's. And the relevance of the Vietnam quagmire to the Iraq quagmire, which continues. And it's absolutely incredible, unfathomable to me, that this John McCain maverick, (laughs) and I think the word is uh, inappropriate, um, 
is somehow using this Vietnam experience. You know, even the Democrats, they go out of their way to praise his military service. Why bother? Yeah. He didn't join up because he believed in the cause. He joined up because his family expected him to do it. He comes from a military family. Um, there are some even conflicting comments that he, that he might have made uh, in Vietnam off the record to Johnny Apple regarding his, uh, an accident that he witnessed on, on uh, the aircraft carrier that he worked on in which he saw several of his colleagues blown up in a military accident. These were American servicemen that died as a result of a missile that, that malfunctioned. Well, if John McCain is going to run on the uh, Bush track record in making the world safe from terrorism, Afghanistan's uh, gotten even uglier this week. Of yeah. course, 10 French soldiers killed. Um, the second biggest U.S. base in the country was attacked uh, right around the same time period. The French now admit that the Taliban threat was underestimated in an interesting map in the uh, Financial Times of August 21st shows a map of Afghanistan and areas that were considered to be high risk, medium risk, and low risk for UN security forces relative, uh, that's March 2005, to a map from June 2008 where there's a new category added, extreme risk. And this is basically the entire ridge of Afghanistan uh, that borders Pakistan. Mm -hmm. And it's like when you look at the weather, you see Michigan's weather, and it just sort of trails off. They don't continue the weather over into Canada. But right. very clearly, the weather that we have is going to head into that into know, Ontario, Ontarian yeah. Peninsula. Um, so this extreme risk doesn't end at the Afghani border. This goes into Pakistan. And uh, clearly Afghanistan has gotten worse since 2005, despite whatever it is that Bush thinks he's doing there. And so has Pakistan. The Taliban is uh, resurgent in Pakistan. And, of course, Musharraf uh, recently, our man in Islamabad, had to call it quits. He was praised as an enormous ally in the war on terror. Well, more on the war on terror and other subjects in upcoming shows. It's a little after 7 uh, p.m. Thanks to Andrew for engineering this evening. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is... Coming up next right here on this fine station. Yeah, you're listening to WCBN FM and Arm. Thank 